0: Welcome, everyone, to another episode of Elvis Type Podcast. It's your host, Travis and John. John, how you doing today,
1: man? Man, I'm doing really good. The longer this day goes, the better I feel. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, <You? laughs> I'm not bad, man. I'm not bad. Uh, this is, uh, what are we drinking here? You just made this for me. What is this? Yeah, so, uh,
1: actually, you were the first person that gave me one of these drinks. It's tequila. Uh, when you gave it to me originally, it was tequila fresca.
0: Yeah, a fresca.
1: It was delicious. Um, I don't have any of that stuff at home. So what you have there is tequila, sparkling water, and some cut-up oranges I
0: found. You found cut-up oranges, or you found oranges too cut up? Yeah, either way. I had some oranges at home. It's not either way. Like, if the oranges were already cut up, where were they at that they were just cut? (laughs)
1: These are my kids' backpack. (laughs)
0: I found them in the back of the refrigerator like, oh, okay, that's yeah, what that feeder needs some like moldy cilantro. <laughs> you should be fine. It's pretty good though. What tequila did you use? Do you do you
1: know or just you just have one at home? Uh, some super expensive bottle somebody bought from my mom that she's never going to drink, so I just took it from her house.
0: Really? Yeah. I mean, it, I'm not going to lie. Uh, as a tequila drinker, this tequila is very smooth. Yeah.
1: It tastes great. It does. It does. It's, it's some platinum bottle of a uh, the same stuff we had at your wedding.
0: Oh, Don Julio? Yeah. I yeah. love me some Don Julio. Yeah. That bottle, that, when we drank it at my wedding, that stuff, we were drinking it straight all day, and that stuff was... It was good. It was smooth. Yeah. So, Hey, guys, but today's purpose of the episode, now that John and I are done rambling randomly, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. today's episode, what we want to cover is things that we've learned through our jujitsu jitsu journey that can hopefully help you being white belt, blue belt, purple belt, or whatever, just get someone, just a different way to think about how you should approach your BJJ class. When John and I first started, we didn't really have something like this. Um, We didn't know where to go to look for this. So hopefully this helps out someone out there. Uh, Most people, when they talk about uh, improving, they mostly say, you know, like drill or uh, have fun or like what are some other things that we've heard? Like,
1: I mean, basically that was it, but you're right. We didn't have like... We had to find everything on our own, so yeah. we were like Google kings at that point, right? <laughs> like, like, we would just Google content all yeah. the time, like, how do I do this better? How do I do this better? Yeah. After a few years, we've come to some topics that would probably help you out.
0: Yeah, so today we've got seven tips that John and I have really learned over the last almost five years of doing jiu that I kind of wish I would have put more on the forefront in when I first started my journey in jiu-jitsu. But it's so it's so hard to look retrospectively at at when we first start, right? Because now it's easy for us to see these things, but back then you're so new, you're you're so naive to the to so much stuff. It's I think it would have been kind of hard to even implement some of these things, but hopefully someone at home can. If you can't because you're, you know, you're still understanding the fundamentals of jujitsu, that's completely understandable, right? But hopefully, at some point when you have a firm grasp of what you're doing, then you can start implementing these things. Or if you're someone at home that needs to start these right away, then hopefully you can do that too. So, John, what's number one, the number first tip that we have to for someone when they're first starting their jujitsu journey to help make their class better?
1: So it's on train with intention. And, uh, me and Travis talk about this, you know, briefly, uh, I think we both kind of feel the same way about it. Um, you know, when you show up for training, you should have like, uh, at least a focus or something you really want to work on. Um, for me, it's also like being present, right? Don't just show up and you're just lackadaisical. You're in the class, you know, you're not really getting anything out of it, but really train with, uh, some intensity, have an intention, like have a, have a presence when you're there. Uh, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I agree with that. I didn't even think about like like John just mentioned. We kind of discussed these beforehand, and I didn't even think about training with intention as with like a certain level of intensity, right? Um, because in my head, when I hear intent, I think of purpose. I think of kind of our our next one, goals. Um, that's kind of what I think of with intent. But when you mention like training with some sort of intensity, it makes sense to me right because if you don't train with intent in a purpose of moving with purpose like you mean business when you do something then yeah you will get lackadaisical like you just mentioned right Right. and so that was that that even just like with us i'm like man that's a really good point (laughs) you
1: know yeah i mean we're just talking about it like me and Travis, we agree on all these things but we might see it a little differently yeah and And i think it's i
0: think it's also comes with like uh our age our life experience mm-hmm. our skill set right you might you guys might think intent is something different than us also and if you do please let me know when you think of the word intent when it comes to your jiu jitsu journey training with intent how does that look to you is it more of being purposeful with your movement and your technique or does it mean training with a goal or something that you want to focus on for that day right cuz it can it can go both ways yeah but
1: i think either way meets this definition.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Or, or if like I said if you have something else that you could think of when it when it comes to training with intent, let us know because it it, it would be uh, interesting to hear what you guys think about at home when it comes to this stuff. So, first one, training with intent. Number two, let's go with sparring. How intimidated are you when you first start Well, you just came back. Well, I was about to tell you. I, I can give you a good
1: example of that. I've been I've been I, I started going back and I'm going to the fundamentals class to kind of get my movements back down and make, see what I can tolerate. And, uh, they do roll after this fundamentals class and the instructor does put out, Hey, if for anyone that's never sparred, or uh, talk to me and you can spar with me. I'll help you get through it. And I see a lot of people that just sit on the sidelines. They don't want to get out there and, and try it. I really think you should. And the sooner, the better.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like that exposure therapy that we heard about in, uh, okay, mike's episode he talks about you know exposure therapy the more you s- expose yourself to these uncomfortable situations the the better off it's going to be for you right because having the insecurities of not wanting to either look stupid get tapped or whatever not having uh, a knowledge base enough to spar or to execute something uh these are all these things could be not easily washed away, but sparring can help with those those feelings. If you are sparring with people and say you're a newer practitioner, I honestly would say probably stay away from fellow white belts. I would say roll with blue belts or so. And because the blue belts are gonna understand better that you're newer, or roll with more experienced white belts. Well, yeah, the blue belt's probably most relatable
1: to yeah. understand what you're going through because they're not that far removed.
0: Right, yeah, absolutely, right? They were just in the trenches. A lot of times they are still in the trenches. I. It's so funny. I feel like people have these ideas off topic a little bit. Once you get your blue belt, <laughs> it's like a blue belt is just a very seasoned white belt. It in just my eyes. means I've I committed <laughs> myself to this painful
1: journey is yeah, what it means. Yeah. I'm no different than the, when I was a four-stripe white belt.
0: Yeah, so when it comes to sparring... I think you should do it. If your academy allows it, I know there's some academies out there that do not allow fresh white belts to spar, but if your academy allows it, get comfortable with sparring because you're going to learn the most about not only the technique and jiu-jitsu, but a lot about yourself also because you don't know how you're going to react to these situations until you're put in them. Prime example, we always talk about when John and I first started, I was in incredible shape. Not, not to toot my own horn, but I thought I was in the best shape of my life. And then after the first time I sparred, I realized it meant nothing. Like, I would die, you know what I mean? But that was a good realization for me because it made me think, man, I can't rely on my strength, or I'm not as bad as I thought I was, right? <laughs> And I easily could have just been like, well, I, I mean, I'm only been doing this for, you know, a month or two. I don't really, I still don't understand the basics, so I'm not going to spar. And then, I feel like the further along in your journey you wait to spar, it, I feel like you're going to have a little bit more of a rude awakening. You know what I mean? In my eyes, if that makes sense.
1: I, I would say it's going to be worse in your mind than it's going to be in reality. Yeah. So just go ahead and do it, and I think. uh You'll come to appreciate. Like I, I had something happen at work last week. I had to go visit some people. It's about a mile and away, a mile and a half away from my office. And while I was on my walk back, my boss texted me and he's like, "Hey, I need to talk to you right away." Oh shit! So I'm like double timing to get back to, to double my time work, means right? he picked up his pace. If yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then, um, you know, I took the stairs, five floors up, made it to his office, and I was a little winded. And he's like, "Oh, you all right?" And I was like, "Oh, I took the stairs." he's like, well, why didn't you take the elevator? And I was like, because the stairs are uncomfortable. Ah. And he's like, what? And I mean, I didn't even second guess it. I don't take the elevator.
0: Yeah, I don't ever. I ever. take
1: the stairs because they're uncomfortable. And it's a challenge. And I want to keep doing it until I get comfortable doing it. But I didn't even think about it. And then when I explained it to him, he thought it was looking at me kind of weird. But I feel like it's the same with sparring. Yeah. Just do it. It's going to be uncomfortable, but you'll get comfortable.
0: That's one of the biggest parts of your journey too in jujitsu is getting comfortable in the uncomfortable mm-hmm. because when you first, I, I watched this thing on Instagram the other day and it was talking about the role of a white belt is to survive, right? You have to learn how to survive as a white belt. And the best way to do that is through sparring, right? Because you're not going to learn how to survive in just practicing technique or studying technique or watching instructionals. Right, you may be able to grasp the idea behind it, but until you implement it against a resisting opponent, you are not going to understand exactly what it takes to execute these techniques. So sparring is going to be the biggest thing to help you do that. And in my eyes, one of the biggest and most underrated parts of sparring is positional sparring have someone get put you or get in your mount, have someone get in your closed guard, have someone get side control on you, have someone get, you know, high mount on you shoot, have them lock up an arm bar, a triangle, a rear naked choke, not, not fully sink it in, but to the point to where it's like right there. And you really have to practice to get it out. Our buddy, Jack, uh, He's been competing a lot lately, and last Saturday, right before his competition, he was in in the open mat on Saturday. His competition was Saturday evening. He was there Saturday morning, putting himself in these terrible positions and practicing every single escape he could to get out of these bad positions. That is something that you have to do. You have to be uncomfortable or comfortable in the uncomfortable. Don't be afraid to get tapped. Don't be afraid to look stupid. You don't. We've all been there. Like Everyone's been there, I promise. You have to spar.
1: Yeah, I think you're making uh, good mental strides once you stop worrying about tapping. Yeah. I think uh, as a as a new practitioner, if you are, you, you're really hung up on that, I guess, the first few months. But after a while, you'll realize that, that doesn't mean anything. Just tap and resume the role. You'll get more out of it.
0: Absolutely. What's the next one we got, John?
1: Uh, set goals. Uh, they should be obtainable and measurable. Um, for myself, a good goal is... How many times can I make it to class a week, right? Two is fantastic. That should be the minimum. If I can get three or more, that's an exceptional week. Those are easy for me to attain. They're measurable. I can I can see the success.
0: Yeah, and in our eyes, setting a goal of getting the next belt, becoming a black belt, whatever whatever that, that macro goal is what I like to use. I like to use micro and macro a lot. Those are great to have. Don't get me wrong, right? But getting a black belt is such a generalized or getting your blue belt is such a generalized goal. It's gonna be hard for you to put things in place to get there. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you have to be able to look at the macro uh, of getting your blue belt, right and understand there are smaller goals that you have to achieve first in order to get there. What are some of those goals? You have to be consistent, right? You have to keep showing up to class. So like John said, he sets a goal of two times a week, right? It's measurable and attainable. Did I hit two times a week? No. Could I have? Probably, right? It's obtainable. Not saying a black belt isn't obtainable, but you have to understand there's other things that go into that, other goals that go into that in order for you to get it, even to get the blue belt. Because the to get to blue belt is usually about what, two years? Most people it takes about two years to get. Yeah, that's, that's it. two years of setting goals up to there that you have to understand has to happen. You know what I mean? Yep. It's not just gonna be like day one. My goal, my only goal right now is to get a blue belt. Okay. How are you that, gonna get there? Maybe, how are you gonna yeah, get there?
1: Maybe it's a, I need to know this elbow escape without thinking about it. I need to know uh, this sweep without thinking about it. Like those kind of small goals. And it
0: kind of goes there. back into you know the sparring, training with intent, right? You have Even setting goals for each class kind of goes into that uh, uh, training with intent, right? Each goal you should have, or each class you should have a goal. You should have something that you want to do in that class. And then the intention of executing that goal, right? So sometimes it's going to take a lot of internalizing and internal reflection on what your weaknesses are, what your strengths are. Sometimes you have to avoid your strengths in order to work on your weaknesses. Truth. You know what I mean? You sometimes you have to you have to be like, I'm not gonna go to what my game is because I know I can execute my game. My goal in this class is to not use my North South Kamora. I will not wrist lock anyone <laughs> in this class today. <laughs> you know? So you have to set these goals even in each class because that's gonna be once you can start checking off like your goals in each class, you're like, boom, I did exactly what I wanted to. You are gonna be surprised how fast you can climb in your jujitsu jitsu journey i promise you but you have to understand that these goals need to be measurable and obtainable you by doing that you need to sit down set the goal what is your goal right and then you have to kind of re-engineer or de-engineer it what is going to what is it going to take to work up to that goal right what are the steps that i need to execute first in order to get to that goal right your macro goal is this now you need to fall in line with your micro goals to understand what's going to take to get there
1: i would say uh just to help with that go ahead and tell some people what your goals are
0: oh billy talked about that
1: um it'll it'll help you stay accountable if you tell somebody you're going to do something it, it really helps you stick to that
0: yeah agreed agreed have have a support system there that's going to do it like for us it was john and i or i mean we pretty much our journey's been together the entire time so we, we definitely help each other out quite a bit when it comes to that. If Even if it's sewing in class, you know, that you always train with one of your good friends, one of your good training partners, tell them like, hey, man, my goal is to compete in December. And then they'll be like, okay, cool. I'll help you tr- for that competition, right? But then, once again, it goes to what is your goal for that competition? Right, for sure. <laughs> so for there's, sure. It's a, you know, it's a, constant, it's a constant goalpost that keeps moving, you know, and it's not to say that you'll never obtain your goals, but you know you should always be uh, setting a new goal. And I mean, there's there's even some like debate on whether goal setting is a negative or a positive, right? Because then you never really feel uh, what is that? What's that word I'm looking for? Um, success or yeah. a fulfillment? You never really feel fulfillment because there's always something else, but. Just be mindful of it. Yeah. And try to
1: keep it in the in the forefront. That yeah. way you can see the progress you're making.
0: Yep, absolutely. Keep it a healthy, healthy goal and you know, it'll be it'll be good on you. Today's episode of Elbows Tight Podcast is brought to you by the Amino Co. John, go ahead and tell the listeners at home a little bit about Amino Co.
1: So I'm using heal. Uh, it's to help with recovery. It's hundred percent science backed. What I like about it is it triggers lean muscle growth and repair four times more efficiently than any other protein source. It reduces muscle atrophy and improves physical function after surgery. It helps maintain a healthy inflammatory response by acting mTOR. Um, I highly recommend everyone go to AminoCo, look it up online, check out the science back details, it's all there. So far, I really like it. It tastes great, it mixes easy, and uh, I'm looking forward to using it for a couple months.
0: If you guys want to check out Heal and check out the science, go to AminoCo.com slash tight Once again, that is AminoCo.com slash amino.co.com/elbows-tight, and use code elbows-tight at checkout for 30% off. Every new purchase does get a free gift as well. Thank you, AminoCo, for sponsoring this episode. Speaking of setting goals and having training partners that you'd like to work with, our next one is you should have three different training partners that you always uh, trained with. And I, I heard this from multiple different people like Joe Rogan, a couple other podcasts, stuff like that. And I thought it was I thought it was a a great thing to think about. You should have a training partner that is not as skilled as you, someone that has less skill than you. You should have a training partner that is equal skill to you, and then you should have a training partner that is more skilled than you. Right. And the reason behind this is because if you have someone that is less skilled than you then you can practice the techniques that you've learned on them with little 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 ease like little to no resistance. Yeah, little to no resistance, yeah, not little ease. That's such a weird... <laughs> with little resistance, right? You should be able to be like, "Okay, uh I'm going to go ahead and do a mounted armbar. I want to practice my mounted armbar." And then you should be able to execute it on this training partner that you are more skilled than. Because that's where you're going to be able to Honestly, make the biggest strides in your technique because you're going to be able to actually do the technique. And they're resisting, right? So, what about someone that is equal skilled than you? Why do you think that's important, John?
1: Equals good, right? It really makes you focus on what you're doing. So you really got to look at the technique, and you'll see the gaps in your game really quick. Um, you know, I roll with a lot of the blue belts in the class, and you know, at this point, they've rolled with me a lot. Yeah. They know every weakness I have. And I'm like, <laughs> man, am I telegraphing <laughs> this shit on my forehead? Like they know how to pass me real quick, they know how to break the guard real quick. So, I mean, it'll make you shore up your shore up your game and it'll make you think about becoming predictable. They know what you're going to do. So, you'll start trying things that you wouldn't normally do because you're trying to get around
0: them. Ah, that's a good that's a good way to think about um, it.
1: As far as the lesser belts, uh, that's fun too. Like I tried that, like Ezekiel when I was learning Ezekiel, yeah. And I was like, holy crap, this is working on every one of these poor guys. <laughs> and I was like, all right, I gotta stop. This is not fair. But <laughs> I just wanted to mention that. I was like, oh my god, yeah. But definitely, I feel when I roll with the blue belts now in school, I have to be unpredictable because they, for one, they, they know, know your game. They know my game, right? Um, so I just have to try new stuff, and I, I think that. Is probably the best time you can do that. Um, as far as a, a senior belt, um, good luck. Uh,
0: <laughs> you're not rolling with them to tap them, that's yeah, not the goal. You're
1: absolutely not, yeah. Um, don't
0: have that in your mind the, the success yeah, on rolling with yeah. the upper belt is tapping them because you'll never obtain that uh success and you'll always feel like leaving the role, you know, like it was a loss. But don't you can
1: and, set goals with more experienced people. Mine yeah. is normally, um, Seeing how long I can hold a position on them. Uh I would love to not get tapped. So if I if I don't get tapped, not that I care about the tap, but it's just it shows me that I'm progressing if I can go a full round and at least not get tapped by them. Uh those are good things to do with the more experienced.
0: Yeah. That's that usually that's my goal too when I'm when I'm rolling with uh upper belt is I just don't want to get tapped or I want to be able to sp- kind of retain a position or sweep them or just something skill set wise. I want to be able to execute a skill on them. Not necessarily a submission, but a skill whether it's a sweep, it's a reversal, it's a it's getting out of mount into half guard, you know, wrestling up on them to escape. You know, something like that. That's what my goal is with the upper belt. It's not it's not to submit. If I submit a higher belt, then that's great, right? But that's not that's not what I do when I roll with someone that is more experienced than me. My goal is to just give them the hardest time possible in skill to skill, not not spazziness or strength or uh just like holding out as lo- like for the I've I've uh, when I first rolled with Sean our professor, if you guys haven't heard the story before, I rolled with him and he didn't submit me the the first roll and that's because I was like doing iron pillow and just like all these very defensive moves, right? And in my head I was like, victory. Like, easy. Done. Like and after rolling with them that one time, he's like, hey, uh, good defense. He's like I could not I g I couldn't I couldn't submit you, but you didn't do anything. And that was kind of a, a an eye opener for me, right? Because I can have the same thing happen in a role and I could be more active and be building more of a skill set by not just laying there and like you know, tucking my shoulders to my head and like fighting hands and whatnot. I could, if I were to put myself in a little bit more of a vulnerable position because, you know, he's a higher skilled person, I could probably build on my skills better, um, instead of just being super defensive. So ever since I, ever since then I've, even with higher belts, um, I'm, I, I just try to use a skill instead of like being a turtle or super defensive in a point to where, I'm just like locking my hands against my gear or something like that. You know, I, th- those are my goals when it comes to like a higher belt. I,
1: I think one good tip for the higher belt. Um, I don't know if everyone's had this problem, but some higher belts will just lay there and let you attack them. Yeah. Um, generally now I ask when I'm going to roll with a higher belt, especially a black belt. I'm like, hey, can you just roll like you would normally roll? <laughs> and how hard do you want this roll to be? I know because before when I'd roll, if somebody visited and they were a higher belt, black belt, I was unsure if I should have went at them 100% or not. I didn't know if that was disrespectful or not. Yeah. So I just got to the point where I would just ask, like, hey, just treat this as a legitimate roll because the way I learn best is by getting smashed. Yeah. Um, If you smash me enough, uh, it really helps me out. If it's too much of them just playing back and letting you work, that doesn't really help me. It might show how much I suck but uh, I prefer to get smashed helps me learn and I like to set that up up front
0: yeah that's a great point too so just something to think about when it comes to your training partners guys
1: alright next question what do we have we have ask questions don't feel stupid if you don't understand or you need to have something explained uh, I 100% agree with this I will ask a question <laughs> I have no qualms uh, you know they'll be like any questions I'm, I'm the guy yeah. You know, it's to the point now where there'll be any questions. They'll John. look at me, John, <laughs> like, "Hey, you know what? If you don't understand it, I mean, hey, you're paying good hard money to be in this class, right?" Yeah. If you don't understand it and they ask if anyone has questions, just ask it. And it guaranteed somebody else in that class is thinking the same shit.
0: Yes. It goes back to and the reason that this this really came up to me too, when we are thinking about this list is because as many of, you know, we have, you know, teenage kids. I have, I have a teenage boy and you know, a lot of times he has a hard time in school and, or even in his jujitsu class or in our jujitsu class because he doesn't want to ask questions because he doesn't want to seem stupid. And I, I, it, it kind of gets to the point where I'm like, look, man, you're not the only person that has this question. I promise you, everyone else that has this question is thinking the same thing you're thinking. I don't want to be the stupid one to ask the question. But really, what you're doing is you're kind of taking a leadership role in a sense because someone else in the class most likely is going to have the same question. And because you, if you're, if you ask it, then you're helping them out also. You know what I mean? So everyone's growing together. But if you never ask a question, then you're like, I don't feel like you're going to grow as much. Even if it's just something as, "Hey, where does this grip this grip doesn't feel right? Where ha, what am I doing wrong with this grip?" Right? Like it, in your mind you may think, "Man, this is a stupid question. I'm just gripping as gi. Right? But it's 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 not a stupid question because it's going to further your understanding of this position, of this technique. Yeah. Don't 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 be afraid of asking questions. I promise you, man. Like it it gets to the point to where if you ask enough questions, your questions actually get better. You know, you get more philosophical in your questions. You get more technical in your questions. Our professor the other night, we were doing a Q and a after technique and people were asking, you know, technical questions and he stopped and he was like, "He's like, I just want to let you guys know. These are some fantastic questions. He's like, they're so good. You're, uh, He's like they're very technical and it makes me feel good because you guys are starting to understand more of the concepts behind jujitsu. But if you never ask those questions, you're never going to start fully understanding the bigger picture of a technique or of your jujitsu journey.
1: Yeah, I mean you're going to get to the point in your journey where you're sparring and you know you're not doing it right and you have yeah. a question. You will literally stop and you will flag over the
0: coach. <laughs> over and be like, Look, yeah. "What am I doing here? What what's yeah. what's wrong here?"
1: And I mean, that's good, right? Like you're getting it. You don't want to waste your time and you want to understand what they're saying. Shit,
0: I'm I'm not even gonna lie to you. It gets to the point sometimes when I'm doing technique when my training partner, I feel they're doing something wrong, and I ask for them. Like, I'm like, hold on a second. Thanks, Travis. Like uh, yeah, I'm like, hold on a second. This shit feels weird. (laughs) And I'm like, hey, Professor, can you I don't snap that's you know what I mean? (laughs) I'm like, hey, Professor, what is he doing wrong? Like this just doesn't feel right. You know what I mean, and then boom, he'll be like, "Oh, that's because your your foot placement's wrong, or you need to grip here, or you're just fucking doing yeah. it wrong. You're rolling <laughs> the wrong way." Yeah. yeah, you know, like yeah, preach. What is what did uh, Sergio say? Like you don't know your left from your right when it starts. <laughs> yeah. Out. yeah, I'm, I'm the. Vic- I'm telling you, I'm guilty of that all the time. So, so those are just some things you got to think about. Just ask questions. I promise, there's someone else in the class that freaking has this question and you're going to help them out. Also, none of one black belts don't even know everything. They have questions too, right? They just have, they just understand ways to ask the question, right? They have a little bit more of an understanding of jujitsu so they can ask a better question. You know what I mean? So don't, don't think that your question is stupid because you're a white belt, a brand new blue belt, man, real talk. How does it feel after getting your blue belt? And then you ask a question and you're like, that is that I should know this. You know what I mean? But it's all right, man. Like, it's, there, we don't know everything. Absolutely agree. Yeah. So don't don't be afraid to ask questions. Next one, number six. Try the techniques that you just learned in class. <laughs> the best time that you're gonna learn how to actually properly execute this technique is in the class. I promise you. And the reason being is because we all just learned it. Everyone in that class just learned that technique or if it's a refresher for them. So if you are honestly trying to execute that technique, they're going to know it's coming. So you have to, one, either be very technical in your execution of it, be very sneaky with it, or throw them off in some other way and then execute the technique, right? But everyone's going to know what that technique is. and. Executing it in that class, man, <laughs> it's gonna be the best. Quick story: We did omoplata from closed guard a couple weeks ago, and I was rolling with a lesser skilled person in in the after class, and I I executed the omoplata from closed guard, right? Like you sweep up the the lat, hit their hit under their armpit, they fall down, boom, into omoplata. And when it happened, he started laughing. He's like, "I can't believe that shit." Just we just learned that, like, <laughs> you know what I mean. And so, but it felt good because I was like, "Okay, cool." I did just execute it, and now it's it kind of gets burned into your brain that all right, cool. I forgot who it was. Um, he's a scientist that uh, has his own podcast. What is his name? I'll have to go well, back. I'll have to put it in the show notes. Yeah, uh, but he talks about how the the best time that you learned is. Learning a skill and then putting yourself in adversity right afterwards, because then your body's going to burn it into your brain, right? So I instantly thought of jujitsu when he said this, right? Because we learn a technique and then we go into combat directly after class, right? So if you take that technique, you put yourself in an adversity, execute that technique, I can almost guarantee you will never forget that technique. Prime example for me personally, when we're doing half guard wrestling up in like a single leg technique or uh defending a single leg, I in class try to execute that every roll. And I did maybe two out of three, I did it at least once. And now that stuff is like second nature to me, bro. I'm like mm. shooting up, unless it's with Cody, who's 6'5", 220 pounds, athleticism through the through the ceiling. You know what I mean? I can't I can't execute on him. But like someone other equal skill set, like, yeah, I can I can execute it now pretty relatively good so just make sure you guys do that
1: uh, yeah i find that very difficult to do right after they teach it because everyone knows what's coming. yeah i could definitely work on that myself i was normally always a uh, a class behind so whatever we learned the day before i'd always try at the next class because i knew everyone wasn't expecting it but I, I can definitely see the value in what you're saying but you're right it is harder because you just went over it so everyone is expecting it
0: and we've heard it a couple times in class too that like like uh, whether it's Sean or previous instructors, um, they say, "Hey, make sure you guys." And this goes back to sparring, positional sparring, right? If you learn a position in in class or a technique from a certain position in class, and you should probably positional spar, like yeah, like it. It kind of all these goals are kind of if you haven't noticed, they they kind of go hand in hand, right? Be, the, because they should your jiu-, jiu-, jiu jitsu journey should have some fluidity to it you should be able to set goals train with attention have your training partners that you set the goals with that you have intention with that you are practicing the technique with like these are all like they all have a commonality you know what i mean like they can be interchangeable with with every class so
1: yeah i would just say this is really good for especially the newer practitioners it'll give them something to focus on
0: or even people kind of like you who take a break mm-hmm. or uh they might be going through their you might be going through your blue belt blues and listen guys we've we've any blue belt that has been doing it or has been a blue belt longer than 5 minutes has gone through blue belt blues right and this is honestly just a way to help you hopefully help you reevaluate or re spark something or whatever it is inside you to make you excited to go train again. And that's really what we just want with this is we just want you guys to continue training and hopefully these seven things, we'll get into number seven in a second. Hopefully these seven things do that for you. Honestly, like John and I like everything that we do for this podcast is to hopefully help someone, even if it's one person. It, that's, that's honestly why we do this. I mean, it's
1: why we started it, right? No, Agreed. Like, we, we were, like, struggling, and we're like, Jesus, where can we find information? And, you know, it was all for the—most of the information we could find were for people that really understood the game already. Yeah. You know? It wasn't for someone that was newer, and they've been there less than six months, and they're like, why the hell am I tapping the pressure? What's going on here? <laughs> you know, like, you know, that this is why we did this.
0: Yeah. Absolutely. So it's kinda of like I, like I, we mentioned uh in the previous episode, it's it's nice to get back to the roots of why we started this podcast and and hopefully this honestly helps you guys. Like I, I truly do. Um and if you guys disagree with one of these goals then or one of these uh tips, then let us know. If you want to add something to it, please let us know. Because this this is just an open discussion. The more we we interact with the audience. The more we interact with the community, the better we can make this podcast for everyone, honestly, right?
1: I think uh, number seven coming up is the most important.
0: What, what's number seven, John?
1: So it's focus, breathe, and don't panic. And uh, I think, I mean, like the first, if this is your beginning of the journey, <laughs> like this is key for those first at least couple months. Yeah. I remember I would tap just to pressure.
0: real quick before you go on i don't i i i forgot to put this um in kind of like the notes for it uh i kind of uh recently there's there was another gentleman that started a, a podcast like i think it's called yujitsu if you guys haven't checked him out check him out um and i kind of borrowed this from him in a sense is his is frame breathe survive i think it is is like what he he calls for the three white belt or the three tips for a white belt let me look it up real quick you jitsu yu jitsu pod is the name of it and uh what is what is it hold on a second guys i'm sorry yeah breathe train survive or breathe frame survive right uh so that's where i kind of got this from it made me uh kind of think about what were my three things be and this is what I came up with, focus, breathe, and don't panic because, fuck, I think we've all been to the point where we get done with the technique and we don't breathe. That's why it's so important. But go on, John. Sorry. Focus.
1: So, yeah, like, when I first started, I was tapping to pressure. And uh, I was doing that pretty regular. Like, I thought it was a technique, like. Is this, this is a crazy submission? I'm tapping to this. <laughs> and then I started looking around the class when I'm laying on my back. Uh, somebody's in mount and I'm dying again. <laughs> and I'm looking around and nobody else is tapping to this. I'm like, what the hell is going on? Right. And I don't, you know, when you're wearing that beginner heavy white gi and some 300 pound monsters on top of you.
0: They don't even have to be 300 pounds, but they and feel
1: it. I've never been claustrophobic in my life. And all of a sudden I'm feeling claustrophobic and I'm hot and I'm like, I just want this to end. And I was tapping to it, and the best thing I could tell you is focus. Breathing is huge, right? Don't panic. Look around. See that no one else is panicking, right? Once you can do these things, uh, I think the game slows down for you. It becomes a little bit easier, and it's just definitely don't panic. And I think breathing is probably something that's underrated.
0: Oh, yeah, because even now, just in our other class, I... I was doing technique, and with with uh, the other John, and and we got done executed technique during during practice, and he looked at me he's like I didn't breathe that entire time. <laughs> I was like, dude, I'm right there with you. This should happens all the time, right? Because it, it every everyone, unless you make a like a, a mindful understanding of like, am I breathing right now? Yeah. Like, I don't conscious effort, yeah. Make a conscious yeah. effort, right? Like, you got to be mindful of it, right? And focusing like to to john's point right if you are focusing on what's happening at the moment you're less likely to panic you know what i mean because you're more able to understand in my eyes you're able to understand what's happening at that moment right because you're in the moment you're present right you're 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 there you're like okay yes this mount sucks but why right why why does this mount suck how am I supposed to get out of this mount? What is he going to, what am I giving him that he might be able to advance his position? Or what is he giving me that I may be able to advance my position? You have to focus. You have to understand that there's, there's, Michael Courier said, if he puts you in a position that there, he doesn't give you an option to escape, then it's just an asshole move, right? There's very few times that someone's going to put you in an asshole position. There's always going to be a way to get out of it, but you have to focus and understand what's happening and feel what's going on for you to know where to go from there, if that makes sense. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, it's like a knee on belly, right? Yeah. If somebody puts a knee on belly and you just are freaking out and you don't know what to do and you just push, you know, you go to push that knee off, you just messed up. Yeah. Right. <laughs> like so you need to focus, like don't panic and just start squirming around and throw it off. Think about what you're doing. And once you do that, it, the game will become a little bit easier.
0: Yeah, and to the to the point of don't panic, I feel like that is where the spazziness comes mm. from when we talk about spazzy white belts is because uh they either move with too much intensity, right? Or they panic, man. I mean, I've, I've done it before in when we first started where I was like, holy crap, this person is about to get my back. I can't let them get my back. I need yeah. to move as fast as possible. And then all of a sudden I'm hurting someone. Or I, I throw a knee into someone's groin. Or I, I toe-stomp them. Or smash their foot. Or whatever it is, right? It's because I panicked. But really, I should have just, I, ju- I should have not panicked. I should have focused and take a, taken a deep breath. Uh, well, as deep a breath as I possible in, in the moment and just just thought about it you know what i mean and it's it's really hard to say to think about this stuff because even now unless you're in one of those positions where you can take a second to be like all right now i now what do i need to do to get out of here uh then it's it's hard to do that but the more you do it the more you become familiar with these things and the better you can you can do these things so but it's all incremental progression. It's not going to be. You're not going to have leaps and bounds in your journey, uh, all the time. Sometimes you will. Sometimes, you, most of the time, you won't. Though, unfortunately, I hate to tell you. So you have to honestly just these three things: focus, breathe, don't panic. It's at the at the end of the timer. It's all going to stop anyways. Or That's if you right. tap, it's all going to be you, over uh, you anyways. You already
1: know the ultimate escape, which is the tap.
0: A quick one, two, three, yep. and and you're out of it. So. But John, you got anything else? Any any more tips, man? That you could think of?
1: Man, I think those are the the key tips. Uh, I mean, they would definitely work for me. Especially that don't panic. You know, can't say that enough. I yeah, think you're gonna do this, and at some point in time, you're gonna be doing this long enough where you're gonna know when you messed up. Uh, you're you're gonna do something. You're gonna go, damn it! Like you just gave them the position, and you'll probably start knowing how many seconds until they sub- submit. Right. So you can focus in that five or six seconds and hope that you know something comes to you. But you're, you'll get to the point where you know when you've made a bad decision. You know the submission's coming. There's no reason to panic. Yeah, You can just focus and try to look for that. Normally in the moment of the submission is where you have the moment of escape, and you'll start looking for that.
0: Yeah. It all comes with time, guys. It's not going to happen overnight. Even if you're an experienced blue belt and you're listening to this, or a purple, brown, or black, and you listen to the show, we all go through it. It doesn't matter what your belt level. Hopefully, these seven tips will give you guys something to think about. And shoot, hopefully get someone back on the mat or keep someone on the mat that might be going through some tough times. I know know a lot of people out there uh, listen to our podcast that are newer practitioners or blue belts. And a lot of you guys are John and I's age. You know, late 20s, early 30s all the way up to uh mid 40s you know and i see you guys i hear you guys (laughs) so i appreciate it we're we're honestly trying to make the best content we can for you guys so uh thank you guys so much for listening and watching at home and gals i keep forgetting to say that uh make sure you guys follow us elbows tight everywhere and john you got anything else that's it all right guys thanks no no oil checks here all right guys peace